Did you know there's a thing where some people put peanuts in Coca-Cola and drink slash eat it? No, I did not know that. Whoa. That's weird, what right? I think it's a Texas that? thing. It's weird, right? I tried it once and it's peanuts? bad. No yeah. way. <laughs> yeah, it's not good. Sorry to any of our Texas fans if, if this makes the cut. But uh, peanuts and but Coke, you, not good. Can't even. <laughs> I don't. Good. So you know what? Because you hear about stuff like this, right? You hear about like weird concoctions that uh, that different uh, regions eat or whatever. Stuff that's like foreign to you. And, you know, that's fine. Everybody kind of, at the end of the day, different areas do different things. But my problem is, who the hell discovered that? Who figured <laughs> out? <laughs> who <laughs> who threw the peanuts in the Coke and was... Good question. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this the one. And not only not only that, how did, liked it enough to tell other people to do it and right. somehow found the people who also like it to the point where yeah. it's a thing. It's a Got thing. Got the people now. to agree. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but to but to be fair, like have yes. you ever tried Vegemite? Now I'm going to now I'm going to now I'm going to make make fun of our Australian listeners. Uh Vegemite is an Australian spread. It's like a vegetable spread. Uh, okay. And they grow up on it, so they grow up loving it. But it tastes horrible. <laughs> it's <Yeah>. so gross. <laughs> they spread it on toast. It's good for you. So it oh, is yeah. a good thing that they grow up like eating this. But right. it tastes so bad. I remember I was I was in Australia and I grabbed a piece of toast, thinking it had Nutella on it, and took a bite, and it was Vegemite, and I nearly oh vomited. man, is it, it was, brown? Oh, oh yeah, it looks like, it looks like Nutella. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, Nutella is uh, different because that just you. It, it being brown is kind of sick. I mean, it makes sense, I guess, if it's like leaves and shit, but it's still kind of <laughs> ugh, yucky, yucky. <laughs> man, I'll just stick with some kind of nut butter and jam. Thanks, that's all I need. Um, uh, that's a good cold nut, open. Let's nut butter is nuts. Nut butter. Nut butter is a great word. Let's cue the theme song with uh, "Say It Together." Nut butter. Nuts butter. butter. You could chop that up and make it sound really nice. Quintuple of vocals. Yeah. I've been watching them for years. It's always been something that fit with all the animated characters that's doing their own bits. With a fry who's in the future and a family guy that sucks. With a father from a hella burger family runs a muck. Show and spies is the same guy, except he totally say f. And diverse. Let's watch cartoons that curse. What the f is up, everyone? Welcome to. Welcome back to Cartoons That Curse. Uh, I'm Johnny. I'm here with my co host, Tariq. Yo. And we are here to talk about Bender's Big Score. So. To you listeners at home, this is probably months and months after we finished talking about the Fox season of Futurama. Uh, we are recording this one week after because we couldn't wait to watch Bender's Big no, Score again. At all. At all. It we was were, like the we were, day after. What was that? Was that like the day after? It was. I think like literally, I feel like the moment we finished recording the fourth season you were like, dude, I really want to talk about Bender's big score. <laughs> I was like, I'm down. Because <laughs> it started because um, I, uh, I don't know how I did it. I think, well, I think it started because you and Nick showed me the intro song to Into the Wild Green Yonder, mm -hmm. which I really love and I forgot existed because 
y'all showed me because y'all thought like I told y'all that I didn't know it and then like I was like oh this I remember this and then like, I really yeah. like it and then YouTube recommended me the intro to Bender's Big Score and I watched it and I instantly bursted into tears <laughs> and I was like I gotta watch this movie right now <laughs> man it brought you back to a different time in your life it was it that did. meaningful <laughs> yeah, it was rough um so yeah, we don't really know when this is going to come out. If this no. episode feels like a dip in quality from the episode surrounding it, it's because this is only the fifth or sixth episode we've ever recorded. <laughs> so who knows when this is coming out? Uh, but we were really excited to talk about Bender's Big Score, the first of the Futurama movies. Um, so let's talk about it. I guess first, the important thing to talk about with Bender's Big Score is this is a revival. This is the revival of Futurama it aired four years after the first ran ended and about f- five years after they stopped producing the show because Fox split it up into five broadcast seasons, even though it was four production seasons. Right. Um, so I'll talk. I, I feel like we should talk a little bit about how that happened, because at the time, unheard of, not a thing like Absolutely. shows coming back. It just was not real. Uh, so literally like the moment the show ended on on Fox, Adult Swim picked it up for syndication in 2003 mm-hmm. with Family Guy. So Family Guy and Futurama <laughs> became the two like late night Adult Swim syndicated shows. And they were both monumental successes in those time slots for Adult Swim. Uh, who knew that just putting these shows in the right time slots would yield great results? <laughs> who could have guessed? Right. Um, so because of this, and in addition to this, um, there were really high DVD sales for both Family Guy and Futurama's DVDs. Those mm. did really well. So in 2000, so by 2005, Fox had decided to revive Family Guy, uh, which, at the, again, at the time, unheard of. I remember, I remember like scouring the internet for news about this because I was like, is it possible that these shows could come back? And so many people were like, no, this has never happened. It's not going to happen. And then word started slowly trickling and that like Seth MacFarlane was talking to Fox and that they were maybe working on more episodes and then that they were making more episodes. Right. Um, and sure enough, in 2005, Family Guy came back and it is still on the air. Yep. So, ain't going nowhere. <laughs> it's not going anywhere. Uh, so right after this, uh, in 2005, Comedy Central started negotiating to take over syndication with the possibility of making more episodes of Futurama. The thing is, is that if you're syndicating the show, it, the, the show is still owned by 30th Century Fox, 20th Century Fox. So mm-hmm. Fox TV had to approve and greenlight new episodes, even if they were going to be on a different channel. That still, They still had to go through that process. This is one of my favorite stories uh, about the, the straight-to-DVD movie season of Futurama. Uh, they came to them and they initially said, well, let's make this straight to DVD movie. We won't need, we can, we can maybe cut it up into four episodes and air it on comedy central later. Um, David X Cohen and the writers and the producers said, well, we want to do more than one. We kind of want to do two movies. So they decided their best bargaining tactic was to go to Fox and say, we want to do four movies. And they assumed Fox would be like, that's a lot. Let's cut it down to two. And they would get the two movies they wanted to do. They went to Fox, said, let's do four movies. And Fox said, okay, (laughs) let's do it. (laughs) 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 Which is great. You know, it's, uh, and it also like, 
it ultimately came it, it became a f- basically a full production season 16 episodes that's a solid yeah. production season mm-hmm. i mean they call it 16 episodes it's four movies they did end up getting uh cut down into four four episodes a piece and syndicated on comedy central as the fifth season in fact if you watch on hulu they're right now split up into individual episodes rather than full movies as season uh, six it is listed as season six because six. that is broadcast order. Correct. Right. Uh, it is still production season five, but it was broadcast season six. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's interesting. They do some they do some other stuff in there. Uh, like they cut them down a little bit. So some of the jokes don't make the cut. But they also at the beginning of every episode add in a little previously on to catch people up in oh, case no. they're tuning in in the middle. And they animated a couple of new sequences that are, are mostly just characters saying previously on Futurama and then a highlight reel. So it's nothing substantial. Um, but that was how this season came to be. And so uh, it it began in, in 2007. I don't remember the exact date, but I think it was late 2007. The first DVD movie was released. Yes. November 27th, 2007 released on on DVD. And ain't that something, man? The two Matt Groening cartoons got a movie in 2007. That is something. Yeah. yeah, I forgot that the I forgot that the Simpsons movie was 07. Yeah, um, so it's July, right? Yeah, July yeah. 27. This is obviously a like little that. different. Like, I don't think this, but I'm sure this this was definitely done on more of a TV budget because it was a straight to DVD situation. Right, and it uh, wasn't done. Uh, well, obviously, at a certain point, the productions overlap, but the Simpsons movie was in production since like 2001. And right, like, for sure. You know, they, the Futurama films were kind of like uh, a tighter productions, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, it was probably a year and a half to a two year production cycle for yeah, that, exactly. but they were definitely overlapping the writing. Um, and, and, you know, they did this interestingly because it's not quite the same as a full production season because normally for a full production season, you get your writer's room back. You bring in your writer's room and you, you break de- break every story with the writers. And I, I think it's possible that they brought in writers to break the stories, but they effectively just had a couple of writers covering all of these straight to DVD Futurama movies. So the, like this vendors big score has a story by credit of Ken Keeler and David X Cohen. So obviously David X Cohen helped break all of these stories, uh, but the screenplay is Ken Keeler. Um, I think, and I think it's a similar situation for each of the other ones, uh, which are Beast of the Billion Max, Bender's Game, and Into the Wild Green Yonder, which we will talk about. Oh yeah, I guess we should say that too. We're gonna we're we're gonna cover this season uh, just just one movie at a time. So we're gonna right. have four individual episodes. Um, so this is just on Bender's Big Score. The next one you'll see will be on the Beast with the Billion Max, then Bender's Game, then Into the Wild Green Yonder. Um, but they had long times. Futurama writers write these scripts like the second one was done by Eric Kaplan, who uh, obviously wrote a lot of episodes of Futurama. Bender's Game. I think Bender's Game has a weird. Yeah, it's like every part was written by someone else. And sorry to say it, but (laughs) but you can tell when you watch that movie. The more you you, because we we talked about this. I think we talked about this off here. I don't think we talked about it on here, but Bender's Game is the only one I haven't seen. Uh, mm-hmm. The other ones is been aside from Ben's big score. The other ones has been long enough for them to feel like new movies when I watch them now. Right, but Bender's Game I haven't seen at all. And the I'm more you tell me about Bender's Game, 
<laughs> the more I'm like, oh shit. <laughs> I don't want to. I mean, I yeah, I like. I don't want to shit on any of it because I love Futurama, but that is definitely my least favorite movie. And and I think you can. I like. You really can tell that each part was written by someone different. It's the it's the mm. one of these four movies that feels very segmented. It doesn't feel like one cohesive story. Mm. Um, and then the Wild Green Yonder was once again written by Ken Keeler. So they basically had Ken Keeler start with Bender's Big Score and then immediately start working on the Into the Wild Green Yonder, where while their other writers worked on Beast with a Billion Backs and Bender's Game. Um, and they also kinda, alternated directors. It's just kind of comparing like if you look at like the uh the written bob for the simpsons movie there's like everybody's up there it's like matt granny john schwarzwelder i think james l brooks is there like this everybody's there like they just kind of made everybody uh yeah do something and i still think the movie came out great yeah, there's I, so many I really like the there. Simpsons movie. Yeah, and like yeah. a lot of them were a lot of them were former showrunners. So you got Algina Mike Reese, you got David Merkin, you got Mike mm-hmm. Scully, you got Matt Selman, who is currently kind of taking over show running duties, which is interesting. Right. I always forget that the music is by Hans Zimmer for that movie. That's wild. yeah, and that's rad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, of course, for the biggest animated show of all time to go to the theater, you go and get uh, yeah. like the most the biggest known for the biggest film scores absolutely yeah one of one of the biggest men in the biz at especially at the time he was probably uh potentially coming off of batman to do this you know like he's working on this at the same time as the dark knight i bet yeah i I don't think (laughs) i don't think you're wrong i think that might actually be the overlap (laughs) right that's wild um so Bender's big score, though, Bender's big score was the first one back their first new Futurama in first first new Futurama aired in about four years. Uh, mm. The first it, it's you know, it, it was a big deal. I was so excited about this coming back. Um, Same. This was like this was I, I was excited about Family Guy coming back, but but like I can't. I can't really explain how stoked I was for Futurama to be coming back. Uh, and this yeah. first movie really did it for me. Like I was, I was so so stoked on this story. Um, and we're gonna have to do this a little differently because normally we're going down episode by episode, but we just have to run through the plot of Bender's Big Score. Do you yeah, have any I guess that was, thoughts? I guess so. Yeah, sorry. So, go ahead. So, so what you to what you said about like. Uh, uh, like being excited that Finley I was coming back, but being really excited that Futurama was coming back. So I got into both shows around the same time, and both were through um, syndication, right? Right. Um, saying that to say, though, I got into Family Guy without knowing Family Guy was gone. Right. I think a lot of people are that way, because it it, yeah. it's been on so much longer than it was gone, you know? Right. Um, but Futurama, I knew like it was gone. Like I knew like, and as I adult swim, how they ran it, I ended up seeing every episode and I knew which one was the last one. Like, you know what I mean? Like, and then I just kind of was like, oh yeah, this is over. Like Futurama is actually over. It's just a funny show that I like now. Um, and then, yeah, when I don't remember how I found out they were doing uh 
the movie because that's the thing too. It's not like I mean, yeah, you could find out online back then, but it wasn't like now where it's like you just get a message in a group chat of a, like an article saying that uh, yeah, future in twenty twenty six trending on Twitter. Yeah, it's like yeah, trending yeah. on Twitter, and everyone knows the moment that drops. You know, right? Um, yeah, it was. I it wasn't remember. Like that. I remember for Family Guy, fi- on some fan site, finding a cut-up clip of a radio show of Seth MacFarlane confirming that they were making more Family Guy. And that was the mm. first time that, in my mind, I was like, this is real. And But it was like literally so... It was so difficult to find that. I think I had to download the audio clip because they didn't even... <laughs> you couldn't even stream it back then. Um, it's wild. It is absolutely wild, like, how inaccessible information this information was unless you like dug and dug and dug for it. Now it's like thrown in front of your face without you asking for it. Um, But you know, I mean the moment, the moment that King of the Hill revival news like started going around, it was everywhere. It was all over. Everywhere. Yeah. Um, Like, I don't, I don't know. That's, it's crazy to think that that's just how, how it operates. Now, like even the Simpsons movie that came out the same year, I remember finding out that it was, gonna be made but i found out in a way i found out literally i found out the way that they wanted you to find out and i was a kid so it really a, really worked a movie trailer yeah yeah <laughs> i was I, I went to go see two ice age two <laughs> i think i the, think it was oh, wait, that wait. one the meltdown let's the meltdown. Don't, don't i'm forget sorry which one it is ice age two <laughs> the meltdown featuring josh peck and queen latifah yes that one uh <laughs> I saw that, and right before it, it was a they they had this little teaser trailer, and it was like an S on the screen, just like leaping its way onto the big screen. And I audibly said Superman, and then they panned out, <laughs> and it was Homer, <laughs> and I was like, oh no, <laughs> so good, and, like man, yeah, that was, that was rad. <laughs> I'll never get that this emotion is- back. <laughs> This is making me want to cover the Simpsons movie too. <laughs> I want to talk about the Simpsons movie. <laughs> Let's do it right after this one. Same night. Let's go. <laughs> you guys won't hear that one for another year, but we're recording it tomorrow. <laughs> um, so, all right. Well, let's talk about this movie. So this movie yeah, opens. I love the opening shot of this movie following the owl, which we didn't even talk about in any of the last four episodes about Futurama, that that owls are like the rats of the future. Owls are everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So we're following this owl flies into the into the Planet Express building. Really cool shot going in like the first ever HD widescreen Futurama shot. It was so cool to see. And so they 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 come in to the, the Planet Express building and all of a sudden we've got this roll call. Like we're doing a fun roll call. All our favorite characters are back. Um, it's so cinematic they, too. I love the... Yes. They introduce Leela, Fry, Bender, and Amy, I think, in the same shot. And it's a beautiful shot. And the order they yep. go in and like the way it's paced out is really, really gorgeous. Um. And then we see Zoidberg. He's stealing Fry's lunch out of the fridge because he thought it was his. Uh, right. Showing all, all the all the characters are back. They're all their normal selves, just as we remember them doing their things. Um, it's fun. It's like a fun reintroduction to everyone. And then and then we actually get some pretty fun meta humor with uh, with the with Farnsworth <laughs> talking about they hammered it in, yo. I didn't because <laughs> as a kid, I remember it being. Like, oh wow, they're really going for it. But they 
they hammer it the hell in. Like they they stretch it as much as they possibly can. Like, what does this mean yeah. for us and our many fans? And there's a bunch of fucking fans. <laughs> Whenever I make a Futurama video and I'm talking about the fans, I use that shot. <laughs> Which is my favorite shot. Um I, I, it was definitely like a little overkill. And I feel like you see a lot of, you feel, I feel like you see a lot of reboots do this. I remember I watched, this was not a show I watched anywhere past the opening scene, but I, I remember watching the opening scene to Fuller House, the sequel to mm. Full House. And every beat in that opening scene is just like old character. You remember walking back in and the whole crowd goes wild. And it's <laughs> like, it's just, it just gets to a point where it's generally annoying in those instances. Um, but here it felt quick, natural. It felt right. You know what I mean? Like, like here's every yeah. character. Uh, the Fox slash box network stuff was funny, but it is also like they really did just beat them over the head with it. They like really are just like the 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 asinine morons who fired us. We're fired yeah, themselves for incompetence. <laughs> um, but I kind of love that shit. I mean, like at the same time, you know simpsons family guy all these shows have made fun of fox the whole for their entire runs while the being entire on fox. run it's just kind yeah. of part of it right. um but this was like very specific like those asinine morons who fired us <laughs> right yeah. themselves um yeah it's really silly like we're back on the air flying on the air in our spaceship yeah. you know? <laughs> and then they, so this is one thing i actually didn't notice about the film but i notice now is that uh professor says like they were beaten up which they there's a whole it's a whole funny bit where he's like they're beaten up and they're like, they cheer less and less and then until it gets <laughs> to the point where they're like they, they died and everybody's like oh and he says they've been grounded up into a pink powder and fry's like why so there's, there's yeah. many uses <laughs> for it and the powder is in the whole film. It's in the whole <laughs> the executive powder is in the entire film. I never realized that. It's all yeah, over. it that was never a joke that like super super landed for me, but I still kind of appreciated the dedication yeah. <laughs> to the bit. You know, they just That's kept going with me, the whole time. Yeah. Um, I also like that when you, how like everyone stops laughing except when they say they died. Bender laughs. Yeah, <laughs> Bender yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's like a fun cold open though it's like a it's like kind of a bigger cold open for this movie and they they do all of this fun meta humor all of a sudden they're all partying because they're back even though they didn't even know they were gone <laughs> you know? right which is like how did they keep going did they just not show it's it's it's, it's not worth thinking about but it's like did they just not yeah. show up to work for two years <laughs> that's that's the other thing it's like a, there's a few year gap here what happened in those years like right. they, they ultimately just skip it but that is a time that is a time period in the futurama timeline that is like largely unexplored i wonder what the hell happened right yeah what is um, that <laughs> yeah uh if they ever uh if they ever wanted to they could just be like we're gonna make we're gonna make a couple episodes that take place then this all yeah. takes place in three three thousand five cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly um the pre-sequel <laughs> that's right um so the cold open ends they have this big this bigger opening sequence that that starts from the ambulance oh wait we got to talk about how uh hermes gets his head cut, cut off <laughs> after doing some limbo right which is a Big ongoing story in the movie, Headless Hermes, um, which is that's one way to start your movie, I guess. Cut off one of your characters' heads, <laughs> <laughs> which is like aside from 
really just one. You can kind of make an argument for Ben-Hur, but like aside from how Hermes requisitioned his groove back, this is the most he's done so far. This is one of the heaviest Hermes plots mm-hmm. in the whole show. And granted, it's it's partially because it's spread out over four episodes. It's definitely a subplot, but it is over four episodes that the subplot right. is ongoing. Yeah. Um, and it's an interesting one. We talked about this a little bit in some other episodes, but it is interesting how like in- instantaneously La Barbara is just like, nope, you're you're not a person anymore. It's time yeah, for me to go find man. my new dad. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't get it because I remember saying in the season two episode and that we were talking about a. Uh, I don't know. Don't make me say the episode title name again. The groove. Back How Hermes one. requisitioned his groove back. Yeah. <laughs> we talked about, uh, I remember specifically saying that I felt like Hermes and uh, La Barba's relationship was like the strongest one in the show at that point, because right. it really was just constant support. She wasn't, it, it wasn't, there weren't any jokes at either of the other one's expense or anything like that. It was just like, no, Hermes, I know you. You're better than this. You can do this. You can do that. You could have this whole right. place jumping if you really got in front of it. Um, and she's just, and I'm, people get, it's, 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 it's normal not to care because, like, she is such a minor character, but she's completely different in this film. Yeah. Like, totally I, different. I feel like they were just, like, I feel like, Part of it is that they wanted to give Hermes a conflict, you know, and they wanted yeah. to give him some sort of story. And so like for that and, and, you know, it is there are some really funny parts to that subplot. I think there's some really funny stuff, but it does feel weird. It feels out of left field that they're just like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, now now La Barbara uh, doesn't respect Hermes because he doesn't have a body. Right. Um, Which is yeah. kind of it is kind of it is it's just kind of in theory. That's a funny thing, right? It's like you just right. It's like is that that's the that's the deal breaker. Like she's she's like ah oh, the boy needs a dad. Like, yeah. <laughs> like okay. Why yeah? Why can't he be a dad without a body? That's right. so weird. Especially especially given that the like the problem is like oh his body won't be ready for a few weeks. Like nope, <laughs> we, yeah, we got to go find a new long. dad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, we we. Uh, because um, we listened to the uh, the commentary for uh, Ben Hur. Ben Hur, right? And remember, I remember them saying that before the show ended. Originally, they were like they really liked Barbados Slim, and they were like they were trying to figure out what else they could do, but nothing really worked. Right. So when I realized after hearing that, I realized how much of he how much of him is in this film. I was like, okay, so this is them trying to do that. Um, and I guess in order to do that, they had to change some gears on La Barbara in order to like make him an actual threat because La Barbara they had before probably wouldn't care. I mean, it was established that that was her ex-husband, but like still the La Barbara before probably wouldn't care as much, but they had to mess with her in order to get him in, I guess. Yeah, that's you can definitely fee, like see the the breadcrumb trail of them like oh they wanted to use Barbados Slim they couldn't figure it out so they used him as like part of the conflict in Hermes' story right. for this movie. Um, I'm happy, I love him. You know, yeah, <laughs> yeah, he is really funny in this movie, and there's some really funny there's some really funny moments between Hermes and uh, 
and Barbados, like when, when Hermes body is backwards and he's like, you're looking a little backwards, Hermes. Like you've always been a little forwards with my <laughs> wife. wife. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, yeah, it's, it's an interesting, you know, I'm glad on one hand, I'm like glad we got a good Hermes focused subplot. And he ultimately right. like saves, saves the day from the scammers. They hook the ship he in, does. like they hook, they hook everything into his brain and his big bureaucratic brain is the one that like, is able to uh, control the fleet of ships to destroy all the death stars and uh and that's fun i think that's good i i'm glad we got like a good a good like hermes saves the day episode and uh yeah. we, we didn't get we didn't get many hermes episodes in the original run no nah, like i said the 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 groove back one is the the only like he's in the front uh right they pair him with professor uh when they invent dwight uh a couple right. times um, that's right and then he just kind of does the limbo stuff for the first four minutes of ben-hur and that might right. be it <laughs> like you know what i mean like it's pretty much all of it. it yeah um so the first scene where they're like they're they're trying to deal with his now decapitated body and head uh, is when we meet lars lars fillmore let me ask you something right. when you watch this movie the first time did you figure it out no. Did you figure out the twist? No, me either. No. <laughs> um, granted, <laughs> granted, brain. I was a teenager, um, but I do know a lot of people. There was, are a lot uh, of people who just nine. figured it out. Definitely <laughs> 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 um, not. Yeah. So I, it, I feel like in retrospect, it's so obvious. <laughs> you watch it and you're like, oh, that's just Billy West, you know? Well, yeah. Um, <laughs> but to be fair. Everybody's Billy just we Billy West. You know, Everyone's so just Billy West. True. Sorry. That's true. Um, but I love I love Lars and I love I'm his storyline. And I really, really liked that twist. It's one of I think it's one of the it's probably one of my favorite stories. Is the Lars story is one of my favorites in all of you trauma, I think. Uh, it's really high up there. Mm -hmm. And at the time it was mind blowing. Like once I knew there was something more to Lars through that movie, but once they revealed at the end, spoiler alert, that he is a time paradox duplicate of Fry. If you're watching this without watching the movie, that's weird. Yeah, um, you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> you're doing it wrong. Um, uh, but once they reveal that I like, I had known there was something more to him, but like it was, I was like, that is so cool like what a cool mm. idea is that this like this alternate fry went and lived his life and became more mature and to the point where he was he became the person that like that leela wanted in in her life um and i've talked a lot about lars i've talked a lot about lars and there's a video i did about lars but right. i think one of my one of the coolest things about lars story is how it, it isn't until he is you know, until he's willing to let Leela go and realize, okay, I need to do what's best for her. And this isn't about me. This is about like Leela's happiness. And like, the truth is, is that she wants to be with this Lars person and that, and I need to be okay with her being happy doing that. Uh, and it's like this big emotional growth. And you see it through his story with Lilu with the, with the narwhal, mm -hmm. um, that through letting Leela go and letting Lilu go, uh, he emotionally matures and then yes. is when he realizes that he is Lars. And the other cool thing about this is that through Lars's intervention in our timeline, in the main timeline, it actually propels Fry's growth forward to, to accept 
that Leela wants to be with someone else. Like Fry, the the Fry is the whole movie, um, you know, very upset that that Leela's with Lars, and to the point where he wants to sabotage the wedding. And then when the wedding is called off, he's like, he's all happy about it, but Leela is obviously devastated. And so it's one. It's not until he realizes that oh wow i like by being selfish in the situation i have made the person i care most about miserable right and that and that is when he is like oh i need to i need to let leela live her life and i can't you know i can't be this selfish and so like in a way our fry matures faster than he would have naturally because of uh, yeah 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 wow yeah that's true i didn't think about it like that it's cool, man. Like I, I love, that's one of the reasons I love that story so mm. much. Um, it's because like we, we meet a really cool alternate version of Fry, who I think is a great character. And it also helps inform the trajectory of our Fry. Uh, it's cool. It's a good, it's a good story. I love Bender's big score for that story so much. Um, I guess we jumped right into the Lars stuff, but this movie is so right. long. There's so much to talk <laughs> about. <for this. laughs> um, let's talk about the scammers. Let's talk about the the villains of the movie, the nude scammers. Nude How did you like that. these characters? I think the main one is is David Herman. It sounded like a David Herman character. Um, but uh, how did how did you like them as as villains? Uh, I think they're cool. I think they're all right. I think they are. I think they are. Uh pretty funny and when I, th- when I think of like the memorable Futurama villains they are kind of like in the middle uh like a little mid right. mid tier kind of um but I do think I do think they're memorable and I do think that they're uh they're really fun I think the most interesting parts of their scheme is done by Bender Mm-hmm. Like totally. all of the, the 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 actual like like oh they're doing this they're doing that like it really does it it, it is kind of once Bender gets that virus like he kind of takes over all of that and I really I really like all of that stuff too. Yeah, I guess this is why this is called Bender's Big Score. He's the one right, scoring yeah. all this free stuff, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, I I've always felt the same way. I like their scheme. I like the idea of scammers. I felt like some of their some of their stuff is like kind of just annoyed me like they they feel a little annoying in certain scenes but overall i think they're fun villains with like a fun motivation which is just like let's just scam everyone out of their stuff and take over the world Um, it's it's a fun means to take over the world scamming everyone like to the point where they scam the president (laughs) you know yeah Uh, (laughs) (laughs) um so this first this this obviously this is divided into like four acts kind of because it's like four episodes long and the first one ends after they they're scammed out of the planet express building and then they discover the time code the time code on fry's ass um which is now i believe the third type of time travel we see in the show we got the time skips and time keeps on slipping we got Mm -hmm. the roswell that ends well time travel uh, and now this is the the time code. And this right. is a different form of time travel, which causes all kinds of problems with canon. <laughs> but- and this is another instance of, because I brought this up in uh, 
uh, Leela the Hurdles one, uh, where every time time travel gets brought up, the professor gets so mad. Yeah, this doesn't make sense. <laughs> he got so mad. And that's what it reminds me of when we first started talking about Futurama and you told me about how they didn't, like, they when they went in, they like, no time travel. We're doing everything yep. but that. And then they ended up doing it. It seems like the professor is like, them internally like fam you right. said you weren't gonna do this <laughs> i think the professor i think the professor is like not only them but it's also like their surrogate for those uh the audience members who have who struggle with the uh the logistics of time travel stories you know what right, i mean right, right, right. so like like even in this opening when when Nudar goes back a day and comes back and there's two of them and he's like, this makes no sense. This is a paradox. Like that's what this is. <laughs> this is a paradox. And they, and they kind of, they kind of write it off as like, they say, this is a paradox correcting time code. And therefore every time paradox duplicate is somehow killed in universe. They have a tangible thing that kills the duplicate in universe. And that's like a big part of the ongoing story. It's why Lars throws off the wedding because he knows he's doomed because he is a time paradox duplicate. Um, So in some ways it's like they can get away with anything because it's a paradox correcting time code. You know what I mean? Mm. So like, but it's always, it's always wrinkled my brain. I made a whole video about about Lars versus Fry's timelines, because here's the thing. We see that Lars goes back in time. Fry goes back in time slash Lars and he lives out his life from December from from January 1st, 2000. He lives out Fry's Mm -hmm. life for 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 12 years, I guess for a few of those years, he's out on on the boat. But because of that, uh, all of the events of Jurassic Bark in which we see uh, and when we see Seymour desperately trying to find Fry, that can't happen in this timeline. Right. Um, all of the stuff in, in uh, the luck of the Fryrish when they're like, Oh, Fry is missing. And he names, and he names his son after Fry because he's missing. Like that doesn't make any sense anymore. Um, right. right. <laughs> you're you're, you're so, naming a whole bunch of stuff. I wrote down actually, because right, this is all yeah. stuff that I thought about. Uh, the first thing I thought about was, uh, was Yancey. It was that was Yancey's son. When, right. when, and Bender, Bender shows up says i'm looking for i'm looking for philip j fry and then yancey calls him and you think fry is gonna come out but it's actually his son it's a little fry yeah and it's like oh it's a nice little thing for future i fans to go oh yeah but it why they weren't close <laughs> right. so why did he name I him guess, after him this time i guess that's the question i guess there's a few things i mean there's a few things that you can do head canon wise i mean i guess the fact the fact that this is a paradox correcting time code theoretically means that history can't be altered too significantly right so like mm. theoretically that's kind of what they wrote into this fail safe even though it's not super explained but because it is paradox correcting Theoretically, the things that Fry goes back in time to do shouldn't change major aspects of the timeline. You know what I mean? Philip J. Fry Jr., or his his nephew, is like a big part of history, right? He's the first man on Mars. So changing his name is like, it's a big thing, right? <laughs> That's a right. big change. Um, the, I, in my video about this, I talk about it too, but I guess the, there's a few ways you can think about it. Some are that is... 
are the events that we saw in flashbacks a timeline that no longer exists you know what i mean like is that a timeline that happened and then because the time code was used and they went back in time did this create a new timeline in which things happened a little differently um because the other thing we see is that we see seymour get fast fossilized mm-hmm. i was gonna bring that up too yeah and that and that's actually something that wasn't explained in seymour's original story no yeah and it's, again it's, it's, po- it's played <laughs> off like it's kind of supposed to be like a haha thing for fans but like futurama fans think about stuff like that so they're like wait so what the hell does that mean you know what i mean it's not like a oh i'm laughing now it's more like a wait what do you what is this even uh what are even the um, the implications of that and there are even episodes that come in the revival seasons there's one spoilers uh game of tones is one where fry gets to revisit his mother and so the thing about that scene is when he revisits his mother is that she is dreaming about the new year's eve football game that was on when he went missing like that was that and that's a mm-hmm. thing that in luck of the Fryers she brings up when thinking about fries having gone missing like she remembers that game and right. so there is so it is implying that 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 his mother in is like thinking about the day he went missing is dreaming about the day he went missing right. and so but if we follow this timeline he never went missing he he didn't go missing until 2012 when he when he went and refroze himself. Um, oh yeah, he still does go missing, right? He doesn't, right? Yeah, because he's. I've he's I've had a lot of people I've had a lot of people comment that maybe when he went on the fishy boat on the fishing boat that he did it without telling anyone. But the thing is, is that young Philip J. Fry tells Bender that his net his uncle's on a fishy boat, so he clearly told some people that he was going on this. Yeah, that's on this true. Thing. Yeah, and so and so therefore he couldn't have been named after him unless i don't know it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't line up timeline wise so like there are these issues with it but i think that's just the nature of it's just unfortunately the nature of this kind of time travel story when you really think i mean when you think about roswell that ends well like that doesn't make any sense either fry can't be his own grandfather that's not a thing so you can't (laughs) think too hard (laughs) you know (laughs) you can't think too hard about it but Um, that one is kind of it kind of only messes with one thing. And I think that's why that's why we didn't talk about it when we talked about the episode. We just talked about how great the episode was. Right. But this one, like we're talking about, there's so many other things that happen throughout the show. And you could, if this were any other kind of show, if this were like a, uh, I don't know, look at the figures on my desk. If this was like a Phineas and Ferb time travel thing, right? You could just kind of, Oh. nudge it off because of the nature of Phineas and Ferb and the kind of show that it is. You know what I mean? Like, it's just kind of like like a silly show where, like, anything could happen. But with Futurama, they take pride, you, you, they take pride in the fact that, like, the little details and, and, and everything kind of connects and everything is supposed to make sense. And I think that's why, right. I, like, sometimes it raises eyebrows, especially if, like, we just spent a whole month watching the entire thing so like of course we're thinking about it you know what i mean like we just saw it all so and i I definitely think that in in a way in in a way it 
is, you know, this is their first return back. And in a way, it's fan service. In a way, it's like, hey, look, Fry had a happy ending with Seymour. Hey, look, Fry had a happy ending with his brother. You know what I mean? It's like it is cathartic to see him living like this. The sequence of montage is where he's living out his life with his family is really great. Like, I love that sequence, Mm -hmm. Uh, even if it even if it draws into question some of the events of the of the show. So I, I guess personally where I've come around is like, I'm kind of glad they didn't get too bogged down by those details to sacrifice a better story. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and I and I know not all Futurama fans feel that way. A lot of Futurama fans are very into those details and, and those details are very important to them. But but to me, luck of the Fryrish, Jurassic Bark, those episodes still exist and they still make me feel the things they make me feel. Yes. And And knowing Bender's big score exists doesn't make me think less of those episodes you know what i mean mm-hmm. um it still makes me feel <laughs> very emotional at the end of those episodes so um and and in the end of the day i really love the story they told with this time travel stuff so for me i'm okay with it i understand why people have issues and like it's fun to talk about them it's fun to talk about these little minutia this minutia uh, in the bender's big score story but um I'm I'm glad that they prioritized a a more impactful story over the details, you know. As a as a compact film, like as a as a package in general, it's really tight knit. They cover all the bases as a film, you know what I mean? Yeah. So that's what that, that's why I'm 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 cool with it too. I'm cool with you know fudging some details for the film. It's like if maybe if the film had holes, like if, if like you started thinking like, well, wait, that doesn't make sense. That doesn't make sense. Then it could probably maybe be an issue. But right. like they, I don't know. I couldn't think of any. They covered. They covered the whole. They covered all their tracks. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, there is the fact that like. <laughs> He only knew his name was Lars because he met Lars. I know. I thought that too. <laughs> yeah. like, oh, okay, I'm gonna name myself Lars because that's what I'm supposed yeah. to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever. But it, but in the end, that to me feels very similar to like Fry being his own grandfather. It doesn't. It doesn't make sense logistically, but it works for the story. You know, mm-hmm. like it's it's fine. Um, I was also thinking watching this today. Ultimately, I'm glad it's not because because in the revival seasons, there are some episodes that I like I adore. But uh, this feels like it could have been another great series finale. Um, I think this would have worked because, A, you get all of these cathartic scenes where like, oh, Fry, like this other Fry got to hang out with his family and Seymour and all that stuff. That's like really good fan service for a finale. And the end, the ending has like a very similar implication as a lot of these other finales where it's like. Like, oh, yeah, Fry's been with Lars this whole movie, but Lars was Fry and now Fry is more mature. And there's right. clearly a path to their future together. Right. Um, it it almost feels like it would have worked. It would have worked as a finale, even though ultimately I'm glad it wasn't. Um, yeah. While it's just, we're kind of talking about that. Um, in turn, and in, in, this is a result of them doing four of these uh, in a row. Um, but. I remember feeling kind of well. Not when I say I remember, I mean I remember earlier today, not when I was a kid. I don't think I cared as a kid, but right now, it did kind of make me go like, "Damn this, this doesn't this film doesn't have an ending because they just kind of lead you yes. in to the next movie, to the next thing." Um, 
And that kind of sucks because I, w- I like I just kind of wish it had like one of those nice Futurama endings that make you smile. Instead, they do go for letting you know that there are other implications because, you know, they got to make right. you go buy the next DVD. So True. that's that's that's, that's that just kind of has to happen. Um, that's just kind of a casualty of it. But damn, I did. You, it doesn't have an ending. You're, you're, right, <laughs> you're, you're right. I guess I didn't even think about that. I think if this were to be a finale, it would need to end with the Lars funeral scene and like them. Mm-hmm you know put going and putting the tattoo on fry's ass but you're right and and the other weird thing about that though is that while i do kind of like that i part of me likes it because while futurama had serialized elements in its original run uh and well in the the whole in the whole run this is the only season where um there's something that crosses over between stories immediately uh Mm. and and so and the, but the weird thing is that they only did that for the first two movies. That leads directly into Beast with a Billion Backs. But mm-hmm. Beast with a Billion Backs doesn't have an ending that leads into Bender's Game. And Bender's Game doesn't have an ending that leads into Into the Wild Green Yonder. Like, they mm-hmm. only did it for these first two movies. Okay. Uh, which is interesting. And I don't... I, I almost wish they had gone all in or not done it at all. You know? like Yeah. I, uh, okay. Yeah. I'm glad we're on the same page. Yeah. I, when you just told me that, I'm like... Mm-hmm think i like that (laughs) yeah i i think in the end like i ultimately do like the cliffhanger ending and i and i think that's especially visually i think it's really cool watching the universe tear open which was set up in the movie uh it looks really cool and then uh, personally i i like beast with a billion backs it's a lot of people's least favorite of the movies um but i like that they use that for a very different story like it's not like the it's not like the the crack in the universe continues the same it doesn't really continue the same story of bender's big score it just creates a new problem that is now the subject of another movie um Mm -hmm. and and i like that and i do kind of wish that they had figured out something from beast with a billion backs that led into bender's game and something from bender's game that led into the wild green yonder something you know something along those lines Mm -hmm. um because you know part of me is like especially now watching disenchantment i'm part of me is like i would have really liked to see the futurama staff give us a serialized futurama season you know what i mean um i i think this is a show that could really utilize that formula well because they were already trying to do that stuff before it was a thing you know for for these kinds of shows um but you know in the end it's it is what it is it's it's a i I really like this straight to DVD movie season. Um, there's definitely, it's definitely a half nostalgia thing. I think Bender's big score is like the really good one. Like this is the one that is great. Right. Uh, and the rest and the rest, I feel like I have more nostalgia for than I have like a real passion for their quality, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but these are, these are movies that when I'm going to sleep, I'm like, I'm just going to throw on a Futurama movie. I'll just put on one of the Futurama movies and fall asleep watching it. So I've seen the first half of all of them. Like, like 20 times <laughs> <laughs> um all right let's see what other funny things happen in this movie i love the return of the globe trotters the return of the globe trotters oh is great. man they give bubblegum and hermes the funniest relationship in this it's <laughs> <Yeah>. so good <laughs> they, oh, i've uh, heard dog best <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i like that a lot um what's the other one the uh I wrote it down somewhere. And maybe uh, it's the same one I wrote down. We'll see. It's, uh, 
they're rad they're, i like their their fancy what is what is uh the professor call it they're like fancy globetrotter algebra or whatever <laughs> <He's> like, <laughs> yeah. um my favorite line from the globetrotters is they're in the showers clean they're washing each they're washing off in the showers and and bubblegum goes that q brute was a real buzzer beater clyde <laughs> <laughs> the idea of like just of just uh of utilizing sports terminology like the globetrotters would to math is just funny that's a funny idea right, <laughs> it's really yeah. good yeah I like the um, uh, the wedding. I think that's where they are, and uh, and Bubblegum's like, you gotta tell a barber like that your body like is doomed, <laughs> and right. he's like, I'll do it after the festivities. <laughs> 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 oh man, so good. Um, and also like the whole when speaking of that when. I love the sequence when he when they go back, find his dupl- get a duplicate body and then Zoidberg puts it back on. <laughs> and the first the way that they they start this is because Zoidberg sews on the professor's hand and he goes, you do a nice hand job. Zoidberg. Yeah, right. I love that. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, you do a nice hand job. It's crazy. <laughs> and then he, I, <laughs> Hermes gets foot back on his body. He's like, oh, thank you so much. What are those? <laughs> yeah, but what are those? <laughs> I thought you were so, happy. Your tail, your tail is wagging. Like, what the? <laughs> um, another. There's a Jamaican joke in this that I didn't catch as a kid. Uh, uh, after Hermes' body gets destroyed at the wedding, uh, Barbito Slim says, "Cruel runnings." Oh yeah! What? I could, I'm like, oh no! <laughs> cruel runnings. <laughs> they did a they did a cool runnings joke previously, didn't they? I feel like in the, I feel like in, in Bend Her in the Olympics, I think there was a cool runnings a cool runnings joke. Oh no! They talk about this. They talk about the actual cool runnings bobsled team or something like that. Okay. Um, it is a joke. Yeah. Um, I feel like that was just a. How how old is Cool Runnings? I feel like for some reason people were talking about Cool Runnings a lot. It's like when this show was being made. Let's see, ninety three, even older than Damn. I thought. Okay, yeah. never yeah. mind. <laughs> for some reason, Cool Runnings had a, like a lot of staying power in in the zeitgeist. <laughs> people were talking about Cool Runnings for years. <laughs> yeah, I was uh okay. All right, get the meter. I was watching the early Family Guy. <laughs> I got another one for another meter after I finish this story. I was right. watching a, uh, a early Family Guy, and they was uh, they were playing like a game in a car. And I'm thinking of a movie. Is it a uh, is it a great movie? No, not really. Is it a bad movie? <laughs> Nah, it's kind of just no, a good one. Really. It's a cool runnings. <laughs> it's a cool runnings. It's a, uh, yeah. it's a, <laughs> all you needed that was all you needed to hear. Yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. Oh uh, man. Fam, I, the honky meter's back. The honky Wait, meter is, it is in back. This? Did I- Leela calls it. the Yetis snow honkies. <laughs> <laughs> 
Leela. Leela racking up the honky meter. Leela. Amazing. I didn't think oh the honky meter would be back, but it's back. Wow. So we got Leela. we got the family guy meter and the honky meter right, yeah. right here in the same section. <laughs> it looks like they're here to stay. I didn't think they were here to stay, but they're here to stay. <laughs> oh man. And this is gonna be months and months after people probably saw the last honky right. family I, guy. What if meter? this is yeah. just the last? What if like there's just like a six month gap between honky meter? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they don't we'll even see. know. Yeah. I'm trying to think if we're gonna watch anything between these that that would say honky. We're, we're gonna get more Family you? Guy because you talk about Family Guy every episode. That's true, but... absolutely. <laughs> yeah, but I don't. Do they? Well, they know by now. They would have by now. They would have seen that we would have said it if it was in Rick and Morty or not. Uh, true, that's true. <laughs> but that is true. That is uh, true. I have no idea if they say it in Rick and Morty. Um, okay, I have a favorite scene in this movie. Cool. And I want to see if it's the same one as yours. Do you have a favorite scene? Yeah, kind of. <laughs> what what's what do you got? I got the uh the the uh the Trinity's going to war song sequence. I like that a lot. Oh, nice. That is lot, I do lot. like I like that song. That's a fun song, especially yeah. cuz Finally introduces the Hanukazabi who is who right. was talked about previously. We get some great Coolio action. <laughs> some really, it's really and, good. And the Hanukkah bot still doesn't know what Hanukkah is. <laughs> In the right. rap, he says, uh, uh, I'm, yeah. "I'm confused about his meaning, but I know that I know that this is against it." <laughs> like, <laughs> that's it's really uh, good. That's for sure one of my favorite comedic one of my favorite comedic uh scenes in the movie i love that song um i also like the other song the other song is weird it's got like it the, it's got it's, it's got banjo in it i don't know the more i the more i hear it i don't know it's like it's not one of my favorites but i think i respect that song like i don't know if it's <laughs> one of my favorite songs but i'm like this must have been hard <laughs> like to do this song i was obsessed with it as a kid yeah and when i when when we watched the movie uh Number one, I didn't realize how late it was. It's like the last act, kind of. It's like the the, yep. the low point in the story, but the low point in the story is really late into the film. Uh, right. So I think I think the episode split up. So like that during that song is when Lars proposes to Leela, right? Right. And then the third, I think that's the third episode of the movie, and it ends after the wedding's called off, and then. And then the rest, basically everything on Neptune through the big climactic fight through to the reveal of Lars. That's the final episode. That's like the fourth episode of it. Um, But it does feel like if you were to try and lock down what the three act structure would be for this four episode movie, it does feel like when they lose the Planet Express and are living out in the streets, that is like that feels like plot, almost like plot point two into three, you know, Mm -hmm. Um yeah, it's like going into the the home stretch. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, what's your what's your favorite man? What's your favorite scene? All right, my favorite scene. I love this scene, and it's actually like I've kind of realized something like new things about it the more I've watched it. I'm obsessed with the montage of Lars and Leela's dates. Uh, I love the okay. song. I the song for some reason the song they play really gets me, um, but. It's partially the song. The music really does it for me. But here's Doesn't what else I realized. Song, the song sounds like the end theme to Courage the Cowardly Dog. I felt like I was going insane. 
Man, I the, haven't seen Courage. I, I haven't seen ooh. enough Courage Cowardly Dog to remember the to remember. I should have sent it to you before we recorded this because I refused yeah, to sing have. it on air. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. For some reason, the song did it for me. It felt really emotional. But then also, you see all these great dates. Like you, I I feel like I really love the buildup of their relationship of Lars and and, and Leela's relationship. But the other mm. thing that I didn't realize about this sequence that blew my mind when I realized it, every single step of their every date something happens that's that's the sort of a conflict the first one is them on the and the mini golf course and he is and the the thing starts to shoot at lars what i didn't realize this is the time paradox trying to catch up with him he's doomed and so that that happens in that date (laughs) and then and then they they fall off the cliff wily coyote style and the clip and then the like the thing lands on them that's like another one and the third one he gets separated from her with the bubble like they're all situations that could have doomed him because he's a time paradox duplicate that's Um, red wild right really i didn't realize that yeah i uh i also know from the from the dvd commentary that it's also matt graining's favorite sequence of the movie but that's just a coincidence (laughs) Um, but they didn't they didn't talk about that in the commentary i like i when i when i realized that i was like holy crap i've seen this movie so many times how did i not (laughs) put this together um but yeah i really like that sequence and and i think it's kind of like the core of why i mean i don't think the first time i saw this movie that was my favorite sequence but once the lars twist became apparent and on rewatch lars becomes a much more appreciated character the first time you're kind of like oh he's this guy he's taking lila away from fry you know and once you know he's uh, fry (laughs) yeah all of a sudden it's a lot sweeter and it's like oh i like this guy um yeah yeah and you know it's interesting because he is he's fry but he's not fry he's still a new fry you know like he's still his own person because he's had 12 years of a different life experience you know Mm -hmm. um although the other thing i think about that i feel like people don't think about is that he was probably got to be 50 years old in this movie (laughs) he's he's probably got to be pretty old (laughs) (laughs) no because oh wait all right here it goes okay so all right <laughs> so this movie takes place end of 3007 three, end, of, end of 3007 early 3008 right meaning that fry is seven years older than when he gets right. frozen and i he think goes he goes tw- back i think he's like 25 when he's frozen so okay. so he's so 32 he, after and th- and then he goes back and he's there back. for 12 years. Right. <laughs> so then he's 44. <laughs> and then he he unfreezes himself with Michelle in like 3002 or 3003. That and so he's got another true. four years. And so like he's pretty much 50 years old. And uh, by the time by the time he's uh, he's back. <laughs> I didn't think about that. What I did think about was. Uh, they try to they try to show you that time passes. Uh, they try to mess with the the designs a little bit to let you know that time goes by. But it's like uh, it's like maybe two thousand seven, two thousand eight. At a certain point in the movie, right when he um, when he realizes, um, not even necessarily that. I was, when he right right when he starts to uh, see Lilu. Uh, and like oh, yeah. time goes by after that and stuff like 
they put like these like bags under his eyes and they give him like crow's feet. It's like you guys went kind of hard. He didn't have to look this old because he looks right. kind of old. And I was like, why are they doing that? Like, yeah, that was one thing they, I didn't realize. Uh, yeah, I guess they were they were trying. I guess they were trying to slowly hint maybe at the Lars connection. Maybe because like but it Lars feels doesn't like... have the crow's feet. Like I, oh, he, I, he has the bags. Lars has the bags. Right, he has the bags. But I don't think he has, he has the, the crow's bags. feet. Yeah. Huh, maybe that explosion got rid of his crow's feet. Aha. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> oh, man. Um, all right. So we talked a lot about Lars. talked about Lila. We talked about some of our favorite sequences. What else do we have to talk about here? I got some funny lines that I love. Um, oh, yeah, zero. I love, I think I said this in a previous episode. I love how in Satan's glorious name did you return? Right. <laughs> that's, that's so funny. I want to just drop that into everyday conversation and see how people react. <laughs> like, <laughs> this is impressive. How in Satan's glorious name did you pull this off? <laughs> see if they say anything. <laughs> I like um, that they, uh, I like them bringing back the announcer, uh, the, uh, anthology of interest in Noster, uh with a sure, like uh, yeah i wonder what his life's like and then they just kind of freeze because they they obviously nobody will know won't and know. They, yeah uh they we'll won't know. know but you will lucky yeah. you <laughs> i love that uh and it's like weird because it's kind of format breaking for the show but you know you don't think twice about it it works no <laughs> it's funny i'm happy yeah. that we know <laughs> yeah um i loved in the future when Fry comes back after being briefly in the year 2000. Uh, he comes back and they, for one, I love he's in his own freezer tube. So he, he comes out in the year, in the year 3000 and then he, he moves up and he, and he does the notch himself and it goes to exactly 7.95 years. <laughs> he just happens yeah, yeah, to like yeah, perfectly yeah. do it. <laughs> um, and then when he's back, they're trying to get rid of the time code so that the, um, the scammers don't use it anymore. And, uh, and Nibbler goes, you'll never get it, Nudar. I wiped Fry's butt clean. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. Are there any other? Oh, you know what? Here's a funny little piece of info that's kind of interesting. Um, oh, yeah. So they, they came up with the idea of the narwhal, uh, specifically because narwhals have these long this long horn. And so they wanted to use a creature that somehow so subconsciously reminded Fry of Leela. So the single horn was supposed to remind him of Leela's one eye. Uh, and then they learned after writing the script that female narwhals generally don't have a tusk. They generally don't have the horn. <laughs> uh, and so they were like, they panicked momentarily until they then, they then learned that on rare occasions, female mm. narwhals do have that tooth. And so that's why they, they slightly changed the dialogue. They say like the rare extended toothed nar like female narwhal or whatever. They like, they, they specify that it's rare, uh, but they're so, they're so caught up in the science of that, that they were like panicking over that, <laughs> that mistake <laughs> that they made, uh, which is pretty funny. Um, yeah, it's, uh, Oh, and then I guess there's all the like twists at the end with Bender saving the day with the doomsday device, which I kind of forgot about him sawing off too, the professor's yeah. hand, which is pretty funny. <laughs> the, uh, the sequence where he's like talking about his thought process while he's slowly sawing, right. <laughs> slowly <laughs> sawing off his hand. <laughs> um, and I like that it ended with him like telling the story and then he's, and then he's at the, he's at the, uh, 
he's at the lectern like talking to everyone he goes and that's how i saved earth and am the greatest (laughs) classic (laughs) classic bender uh i like when he uh when they uh when they, the the scammers they're trying to force Bender to do something, they're like, "Do it, or uh, or we'll, or kill him." And he's like, "Who the hell's that?" And he's like, "I'm Scruffy, <laughs> the janitor." He's like, Hang on, Scruffy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's great. That's so good. I like the Barbados oh, Slim cereal too. I like that he dances on the cereal. He dances on the cereal box. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The the very tiny changes that we'll see in the future are that cereal boxes will be animated. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Um, Can't that's wait for that. Funny. One. Do you ever notice? I didn't think about this until this episode. You you ever think about how there's literally no security at the Applied Cryogenics Lab? They just let anyone walk in into this place where there's frozen people. That is true. <laughs> that is very is very very true. Yeah. I guess it makes sense because when you think about uh, Jurassic Park, it's like, how the hell did Seymour get there? Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. How did Fry get in in the first place? You know, like he, yeah. he the, all the doors the door were unlocked. Wasn't, yeah, the door wasn't <laughs> yeah. even locked. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty funny. Oh, man. Um, there's a fun Al Gore cameo. He with it, I mean, that is a little bit dated on the Bush versus Gore election, but it's kind of stupid. I, I didn't catch that as a kid. For obvious reasons, yeah. but seeing right. this now, this, I think this is the first. This is the first time I've seen this movie as an adult. So, it's, yeah. like seeing what they did, I was like, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> and it's also funny because, like, why was Al Gore hanging out in Florida where they were counting those ballots? Like, that's that's <laughs> it doesn't right, make any yeah. sense. That's not how it works. And then he <sighs> he go they go to 2012, and Al Gore is driving a cab, which yep. is already funny. Yeah, but not only that, he says he looks at the camera. He says, "Wow, man, that hundred dollars could have brought me one gallon of gas." <laughs> <laughs> I love that joke. I love that Al Gore is down to like poke fun at himself too, um, right, yeah. you know, because he obviously played himself in this, and he's like, he was mm-hmm. down with the fact that he is going to be driving a cab in the year two thousand twelve. <laughs> right, <laughs> <laughs> pretty funny. Oh man. Um, you know, one thing that was interesting about this to me is like it felt they felt like they needed to include the Nablonians to add to like the grave nature of what was happening with the with the time code and like splitting the universe in two or whatever. Uh, but they're really inconsequential in the movie. They show up at the end of the first episode uh, and they're just defeated immediately. And goes, our kitten class attack ships were no match for their mighty <laughs> chairs. <laughs> um and I get that. That makes sense. Like if, if this stuff was happening and Nibbler was there, he wouldn't keep quiet, but uh, it feels like they maybe could have implemented the Nibblonians into the plot a little more. Yeah, I agree. Cause the Nibbler, that's the, again, that's just probably just like, um, memory of not seeing this film in so long, but I did for some reason, my brain told me that Nibbler had a bigger role in the film. Right. But he actually, he does less than like bubblegum. You know what I mean? Like yeah. he he yeah. doesn't do anything. The the most Nibbler does is try to warn everybody, but to no avail. And then he he's he does the wildest thing at the end. He says, We gotta get out of his eats universe. Himself. And he just yeah. eats <laughs> And and honestly, that's not ever properly followed up. Like Nibbler comes back and they don't ever explain <laughs> how he comes back. Yeah. Um they do the next time you see him he talks and they're like wait and he's like wait why didn't you like isn't it 
why why aren't you surprised I can talk? And they're like, oh no, like we we knew you could talk from last time. I think they say you forgot to wipe our minds, which is a stupid piece of dialogue because they would never have remembered that he wiped their minds in the first place. Right. So it's it's yeah. only for the audience. It makes no sense for the characters to say that. <laughs> um, <laughs> that sucks. Uh, but it is uh it is interesting. Like it I feel like after the Y of Fry, they didn't really know what to do with Nibbler. There are some funny episodes that feature Nibbler in the revival seasons, but they are, they don't have anything to do with him being a Niblonian. I guess he's got a kind of a big role in, in game of tones, but um, they generally, they, it, all of a sudden it's more about like Nibbler as a member of the planet express crew, because they all remember he can talk now. You know what I mean? It's less about, it's so less is that about how they are. Yeah. Is, does he just kind of, does he just kind of cut the gibberish shit after this I think film? they I think they just do both. I think like yeah. I think they just do both. When the when the story calls for it, he talks and when it doesn't, he's a pet. And okay. and, and you know, I guess it works. You know, it's Man, not I, not something I'm too Futurama, caught up in. The rest of Futurama is going to be really interesting to watch because I didn't even like, like I said, we talk about we talk about this all the time, but I remember select episodes, but none of the ones I remember have Nibbler in them. Like Right. I don't remember any of his like prominent ones. So I've never really thought about so damn, they just kinda don't even do anything with the Nibbler. That's that sucks. <laughs> I know, <laughs> man. I, I talk I talk about it a lot, but it feels like, especially after the Y of Fry, um, they 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 tease that the the universe will need saving again and that he's gonna ask for help again, and they never really follow right. it up. Which is why I'm constantly saying they should do one more movie <laughs> and do a <laughs> and do a big culmination of these un these unfinished threads. Right. <laughs> and they, if they if they have Frosty the Universe one more time, they can dust their shoulders off and act like this was the plan all along. Exactly. And we we always knew I we were going to come back them. a fifth time. <laughs> yeah, I will believe we always. You. We always knew we were going to get canceled three times. And then the last time we would come back with the finale movie. Right. <laughs> we knew it. The um, last one for real. <laughs> I am excited to go through. Hey, I'm excited to go through the rest of these movies with you. I think it's I think it's this is smart for us to go through these movies one at a time. I think it's going to be fun to do that because there's so much to talk about with them. They jam so much into these movies. Mm-hmm. And then I'm excited. I'm excited to go through the revival season with you, especially because you don't remember much of them. It's going right. to be a real trip to go through them. And while I do think like the the quality bar of consistency lowers a bit, like there really are episodes in the revivals that I like. I truly love Um and those are the ones I'm most excited to like dig into with you. So yeah, that'll be yeah, good. Yeah. But who knows when that's going to happen? That's going to be in a while. <laughs> so um, many cartoons. <laughs> yeah, we got so much to watch, man. So much to watch. Um, all right. So let's let's you know, let's wrap this up. We talked a lot about Bender's big score. We do, yeah. Written. Let's um, what yeah, what are your final thoughts on Bender's big score? How do you feel about this movie as a whole? Bender's Big Score, when I was a kid and this came out, this blew my mind. And watching the rest of the show and then watching the intro sequence again reminded me, I I guess at a certain point in my life, I forgot how important Futurama was to me as a kid because it was really important to me for a while. Like I was obsessed with it at one point and I just might've, I always, I never acted like Futurama was bad. I just always kind of hailed it as this, really funny smart show and that was it without giving it a second glance but going back and looking at it i'm like wow this is like really really important uh to my growth and this film is a part of that because this film meant a lot to me 
uh, as much as it did to you, like when the show came back, like it was really, right. really, really, really something special. Ran that DVD into the ground. I showed you the thing has a crack in the middle of it for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> um, but hey, yeah, it's like, the, it's like it, the crack in the universe cracked here. Yeah, it it almost your looks exactly like the crack in the universe. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, watching it, uh, watching it as an adult for the first time. Um, it's not as funny as the first four. It's not as it, it's not as like relentlessly funny as the first four. But it, it is a great film. It is a great yeah. time. Uh, all the characters are, aside from like La Barbara, I guess everybody right. is exactly the same, and the heart is there. Like it's all there. It's it's all there. It's it's the very definition of what you would think a Futurama film would be when you hear direct dvd futurama film you think this right you know and um they take some opportunity a lot of some of it and you know i get it though because they had to split this up into four episodes so if they if they would have got like really insane with the cinematography and the whole thing just felt like a movie like it would have looked really stupid split up um right so that is kind of it does kind of make me feel bad like damn they could have if they didn't have to do that, they could have scoped this thing crazy. But true, what we got still looks great. There's still a lot of really great bits. The the fight uh, um, in, in space where like Leela leads the uh, the fight is is brilliant. It look it looks great. It's it's so good. Um, but yeah, I really really like this film. I love it. It's it's a great. It's exactly what you think of when you think of a Futurama movie for me for me as well like i obviously i have a lot of nostalgic a lot of nostalgia for this movie because it was like the return of my favorite show like Mm -hmm. i was so obsessed with futurama and so sad that it was that like i remember i liked future i started watching futurama when it started like i remember watching futurama when it started and thinking this is good but it's no simpsons you know because that was the height of the simpsons and and slowly over the years, I would I had watched a lot of it, but it was the syndication of Adult Swim that made me realize, oh, wow, this show is so good. And I started buying the DVDs. I remember one day, I think it was the volume three DVD. I remember for my birthday, I'd gotten a bunch of DVD sets, including like Family Guy DVDs, Simpsons DVDs and Futurama DVDs. And I was like all in on the Family Guy DVDs. I was like, <laughs> this is like my new show. I love Family Guy. Yeah. And then I remember I had watched I had watched through those so much. And I was like, all right, you know what? I'm going to sit down and watch Futurama. And I watched through the longest Futurama season, season three, in a day because I couldn't uh, wow. stop watching it. And I remember that being the day where I was just like, oh, my God, I love Futurama. <laughs> like, right. I remember specifically being like, I, I thought I liked Futurama, but I love Futurama. And, mm. and then it was the slow realization that it was over. Like, that was when I was like, wait, it's done. It's canceled. There's no new episodes. Um and so I watched through all of those DVDs. I watched the whole show and I, I bought them the game. I bought the Futurama game because I was like, I need whatever I can get of some Futurama. More, yeah, give me some more. <laughs> yeah. And so I played through that game and that game is so hard. That is a hard game. And I beat, I beat that whole video game just so that I could watch the cutscenes that were Futurama cutscenes. Um, oh, man which is something we should maybe do think about for a bonus episode. If we ever do a Patreon good, is, yeah. is, the, is we don't have to play the game, but we can watch the cutscenes Cause it's basically an episode. Right. Um, 
but yeah, like this. So this show coming back was so important to me as a fan of the show. And this first movie for me delivered so hard. Like it was just, it was better than I could have hoped for. And I do agree that it's, it's maybe it's not quite as relentlessly funny. Sometimes they go all in on jokes that aren't, that aren't quite as great as some of the, the jokes in the original run. Mm-hmm. Um, and they kind of keep, keep going back to them. But, uh, it has some really funny stuff that makes me laugh every time absolutely, I watch this movie. Absolutely. Such funny stuff. And it just has that great heart. Uh, and like, especially with the Lars Fry Leela storyline, I, I like, like I said, it's one of my favorite storylines in all of Futurama. As you've learned over the course of me talking about the show, I I'm very attracted to the episodes that are, have a lot of heart. And this I think is one of them that does it best. Uh, and if, when I think about, Futurama past its original run this movie and and probably four or five episodes in the in the revival seasons are the ones where I'm like these go toe to toe with some of my favorites of the original run Um, like you know it's it's uh, unfortunately I wish it was more obviously but um, but this is one of those where I'm just like this is incredible Futurama and so uh you know, to the point where we we couldn't. You know, we we we, we talked about wait. season four last week. And we're like, we couldn't wait. We, we had to do it. We had to watch this movie. It's so funny because we kept talking about Futurama fatigue, and we kept going like, man, all right, we 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 did we did our time. We're so it's cool. Yep. But immediately after we finished, we just couldn't shut up. <laughs> like, yeah. We just kept texting each other like, well, we gotta watch Venice Big Score. <laughs> like, we it's, gotta do it. It's so funny that. I am too, man. I am too. Cause like, I, I don't know if I've ever had a like conversation about Bender's big score like this, before, Likewise, you yeah. know? Yeah. And, uh, and it's, it's great, man. I, this was a lot of fun. I'm excited to go through these other movies with you. I don't know when we're going to record those, but, um, right. but it's going to be interesting since you probably don't remember much of those and haven't seen Bender's game. Uh, and we're probably going to get more into the territory where we're not, you know where we're maybe a little more critical of of some of the stuff that Futurama is putting out than we yeah, have because far. Uh, I'm not tied to any of that stuff, right? You know what I mean, like it doesn't right. really mean anything to me. So yeah, I'm probably will it'll be, be interesting. Uh, I'm excited. I'm excited to go have that journey though. And you guys, you guys will see that next week. We don't know when we're going right, to record. Yeah. It. <laughs> <laughs> I've got like um, a different beard and everything is going to be right. <laughs> um, all right. Well, let's do let's do our ranking. What's your favorite Bender's Big Score? Uh, okay. So number 10, I have Bender's Big Score. <laughs> number nine. <laughs> number nine is toss up between Bender's Big Score and Bender's Big Score. I'm not really too sure. <laughs> I do think at the end of this, this mini series of the movies, we should probably do a ranking of our movies. Well, we um, already know what number one is. But, we already know what number so one we'll is. So still do it. We'll do it anyway. <laughs> yeah, who knows? You have, and you also haven't seen these in a long time, and you also have you never seen I'm, Bender's Game. Okay, what if, Johnny, what if, what if we go, what if we go in and put Bender's Game? No, I don't. <laughs> you think I'm just but gonna wake if, up like, yo, this is the one. <laughs> but what if you did? I don't think you will. But what if you did? That's nasty. You might have to. All right. So if I if we record all four of these, <laughs> and I put Bender's Game at the top. I have to wake up the next morning and a podcast has to be gone. The channel has to be gone. <laughs> <laughs> the, 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 the Spotify, it all has to be gone. <laughs> Delete everything. Yeah. Um, I can almost guarantee you that won't happen. 
but you know, you haven't seen it, so who knows? (laughs) (laughs) They don't know, but you will. (laughs) But you three weeks. (laughs) Lucky you. Oh, man. All right. Well, that seems like a great note to end it. So let's thank the people we need to thank. Thank you to Michael Yunez for producing and editing the show. Thank you to Carrie Feek for our artwork. Thank you to Jake Neutron for our theme song. Thank you to all of you for listening. Uh, Please rate, review, subscribe on all of the audio podcast platforms. If you leave a written review on, on Apple, that really helps us. Uh, We apparently made the top. This is you're not going to hear this for, for weeks because but this but apparently like we just made the top 50 film and tv charts on spotify which is, which is bananas nuts <laughs> we were we've only put out two episodes and i wasn't even thinking about charts and i, I got a message from a friend who was like you were on the top 50 film and tv spotify podcast when we yesterday decided to do this podcast we were very well and like we were talking to each other like yeah you know we're prepared to do this for a couple months without any results like that's how we were thinking yeah <laughs> but it's been two episodes so far um, it's bonkers man yeah it's pretty right we're like a dream team who knows that who knew that this is what they wanted yeah this is what they it's what they needed yeah. <laughs> this is what yeah. everyone needed um but you know, if you uh, if you give us a uh, give us a listen on the audio platforms, that helps a lot. But obviously, check out our mm-hmm. YouTube channel as well. Um, you got any last words, Tariq? Before we finish this up, you got any last words? Oh, <laughs> th- uh, th- I'm saying it threateningly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I wrote down. Uh, why are you talking to my penis? <laughs> <laughs> Matter of fact, that's it. That's the end. No. <laughs> that part out uh this part is me ha bye (laughs) that's my last word is bye